Scripture reading will come from Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verses 5 through 8. And it reads, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Do you struggle? Do you ever deal with challenges, trials, difficulties in your life? Do you ever get caught up in worry or anxiety about things in this life? Of course you do. We all do. We know that even God warns us that these difficult and challenging times will come in our lives. And we know from just experience that we all expect difficulties, struggles, challenges, things that will bring anxiety upon us. But what is your response, your typical reaction to these types of challenges in your life? Who do you turn to when these type of difficulties and challenges come upon you? Do you panic? Do you break down? Do you give up? Do you quit? Do you blame others? Do you start to complain and say this isn't fair? Do you turn to things of the world, things that sometimes will bring a temporary comfort to you, food and Entertainment and maybe even drugs or alcohol or recreation? Do you seek advice? And is that advice sometimes from the wrong people, the people that have a worldly and carnal mind and they have no regard for God? How about help or answers? Have you ever needed help with something? Something that was challenging you in your life and you just needed assistance and help? Or maybe you needed the answer to something, a question that, you didn't know the answer to. Again, yes, of course, we all have dealt with things where we need help from others, assistance, or answers to questions. And again, the Bible addresses and confirms that that is true. It talks about our need to grow and compares it to a baby that would grow. But again, what is our response? What is your typical reaction to those times when you are in need and you have questions that need to be answered. Who are you turning to? We all deal with challenges, problems, need help, need answers. We all do. Every single one of us share that in common. But we don't all react or respond in the same way. And we don't all seek the same help. And it's this response, this reaction to these daily events in our lives that we're here to focus on. Why? Because we have control over our response, our reactions. We have sometimes zero or very little control over the events that come upon us in our life. The difficulties, the challenges, the, the help and the answers that, that we need to questions. But we always can control our response and our reaction. 
And if our response and our reaction to these events is right, then we can have some effect upon the outcome. Take a physical example of a, a man and a family. Maybe this man loses his job and he is struggling, cannot support his family adequately, and maybe he turns to, again, something like alcohol. Maybe from there that leads him to some bad associations and and maybe that leads him to even a life of crime and he begins to steal and maybe he begins to justify these crimes to support his family and he's getting away with it so he's getting more and more comfortable with it so the event was he initially lost his job what was his response well the response was a lot of bad decisions and that outcome could be horrendous it could be him going to jail it could be his family losing their home and not being able to to take care of his family but had his response been different, what if he had found another job? What if he had sought the help of someone who could teach him a skill and help him get another job? And yeah, there may have been some suffering or some challenges still. Maybe he won't make as much money. Maybe the family has to you know, evaluate and cut back on their spending. But what a different outcome that man would face if his response had been different. And so, this morning, ask the questions to yourself. Do you believe in Jesus and his words? Do you trust him? Do you trust God? In today's study from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is going to teach us what our response, our reaction should be. That we go to our Heavenly Father. That we ask for help. That we go to him for answers. And for everything that we need. Just as a child, when a child needs something, they seek out their parents, their father. They go to their parents. They ask their parents for help. Sometimes relentlessly. Until their parent will give them the assistance that they need. And we must do the same spiritually to our father, God, our heavenly father, who promises to provide. In our study on the Sermon on the Mount, we've already seen Jesus give some instruction on prayer. Things about how we should pray and the type of things that we should pray for. And this should not be done uh, with hypocrisy. And it should be done uh, individually and, and the benefits of prayer. And as we are now finally getting towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus again is addressing prayer and scripture and our need to engage in both of those. We are told by Jesus to ask our Heavenly Father. So how would we do that? That would only be through prayer. Jesus is going to tell us to seek so that we can find answers. And that would be done by turning to scriptures. The words of Jesus as they sat there with Jesus and heard him speak. At my first read of this section, I, I found it Interesting that this particular section would come at this place of the Sermon on the Mount. I kind of wondered why it wasn't towards the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It seemed like it would be a good starting point. But as I thought closer, as I reread the Sermon on the Mount again, it actually made perfect sense. Jesus has been challenging them, us, his disciples, those who say they want to follow him. He has been challenging them 
to make some very difficult changes in their lives. To live like Him. To live up to a very high standard. To do things that are so completely contrary to the world that they lived in and that we live in. Think about some of these things. The Beatitudes. How often the world lives completely contrary to the Beatitudes. Loving your enemies and loving those who hate you. Ridding your life of hypocrisy. Not even letting sinful thoughts enter your heart, let alone committing them. Doing good deeds for all men. And these last two subjects that we've just recently had lessons on, studied. Not to be caught up in money and materialism and not to worry or be anxious. And judging that we judge ourselves and that we're very careful how we judge others. These are high standards, challenging things. And so Jesus is saying, ask, seek, knock, and you will receive, you will find, you will have it opened for you. So we continue our lessons, our studies in this series on fundamentals from the Sermon on the Mount. And this morning, we are in Matthew chapter 7. In today's lesson, it's about who do we turn to for answers? What is the source? And how diligent and persistent are we when we are seeking out those answers? We should be turning to God diligently and patiently, seeking an answer from Him, and then trusting Him and accepting that answer. And I know it sounds so simple and obvious, which most of the time the scripture is, but when you start to think about how so many Christians, and maybe some of us, can find struggles with asking God, going to Him and seeking and and being persistent in our lives. So please, this morning, if you'll open your Bibles, if you have not done so already, to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to start this morning... By reading Matthew 7, 7 to 11. So let's sit this morning at the feet of Jesus. What a blessing it is that today we can still sit at the feet of Jesus. Our Savior, Son of God. And we can, just like those early disciples did, listen to His words and learn from Him. Thanks that we have a completed word that allows us to do that. And let's fully embrace his words this morning in our lives so that we can get our response, our reaction, correct to the events that are going to come up in our life. And if we have the right response, then we will certainly have a better outcome. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? So just a couple of general comments before we make our points for the, this morning's lesson. 
First is, we're started off with this great and wonderful promise. It is a promise. There are no ifs or maybes. It is, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. Verse 8, to who? For everyone. For everyone who asks and seeks and knocks, it will be given to them. Then he compares it with these questions as Jesus so brilliantly does often in the scriptures, asking these questions that they know the answers to. Simple, understandable questions. What would a father do if the son came and asked for bread? Would he give him a stone? What if he asked for a fish? Would he give him a serpent? Of course not. A father is going to care for his son and give his son what is good, what he needs. And finally, that if our earthly parents can do this, how much greater can our heavenly father do these things? That he will give us good things. And we'll talk more about this later in our lesson today, but those good things may not always feel good. Discipline doesn't always feel good. The answer, no, doesn't always feel good. But it is what is good for us. And he knows what is good for us. But notice how that verse ends. To who? Those who ask him. If we're not asking, if we're not seeking, if we're not pursuing and wanting the answers to these questions and God's guidance, then he's not going to give them to us. We have to do our part. So only two points this morning. Um, The first point is that we must do our part. Ask, seek, knock, and we must be going to the correct source. As we pointed out, there's a lot of bad sources. There's a lot of bad counsel out there that we could be seeking, and it could corrupt our response and lead us into a, a very dark outcome. And the second point is that God always does His part. He, he promises to fulfill. If we do our part, He will allow us to receive and to find and to open those doors and to get those answers and to get that guidance that we need. And so let's, this morning, take a closer look at each one of these points. So first... We must do our part. Ask, seek, knock, using, of course, again, the right source, which is God. As we've seen in several subjects that we have studied now in the Sermon on the Mount, it always comes back to me. It always starts with me, the individual. We've seen this clearly throughout the Sermon on the Mount, that it is our own discipleship, individual discipleship, that I have to put the work in. That I am going to be judged alone. No one will stand there with me. I cannot lean on or rely on anybody else's work. Now can others help me? Can my brethren help me? Can my family help me? Encourage me? Strengthen me? Help keep me on a straight path? Absolutely. But in the end, it is always down, it comes down to free will. And we made this comment a couple weeks ago in our Bible class, our our young people's class, about free will. It's interesting to think about free will. It was was given to us by God that, that this be our crowning moment, that we choose Him, that we follow Him, and we're accepted and we go to heaven. And yet, sadly, we look around us and free will is the devastation to most people's lives because they don't choose God. And they don't choose to obey and follow Him. I cannot accept, expect the outcome to change 
if I'm not self-examining myself and changing my response to these events. That is, as we say often, the definition of insanity. You do the same thing over and over, but you expect a different result. So I'm going to change my health. I'm concerned. The doctors told me I've got to get on a stricter diet and I have to be more healthy and, and I've got to get you know my blood pressure or whatever it is the doctor tells me down. And, and uh, yet I just keep eating large amounts of sugar all week long and then my blood pressure is not changing. And I question that. That's insanity. I haven't changed anything, so I cannot expect that my health is going to change. And the same is true with our spiritual lives. If we want to grow closer to God, if we want to deepen our faith, if we want to be a better disciple, then we have to change. We have to examine our lives, and we have to make changes. So when I have troubles in my life, or I need help, or I need answers, when that event hits me, as we pointed out, it will hit us all. I will have to choose my response. In order for the outcome to be a positive one, I first need to choose the right source. When I ask and seek and knock, who am I asking? It needs to be God, our creator, our designer, the one who knows us better than anyone, the only one that can give us the correct answers and guidance that we need. The Proverbs and the Psalms are filled with this point about the source needs to be God. And Luke again read for us in the scripture reading, Proverbs 3, 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Don't be wise in your own eyes. And there's so many other Proverbs and Psalms that, that make this point about where we seek counsel. Just a couple of others. Psalms 33.10 The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of the people no effect. Verse 11 The counsel of the Lord stands forever. Verse 12 Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And Psalm 73.24 You will guide me with your counsel. And afterward... Receive me to glory. If we want heaven, if we want glory, if we want the reward that God promises, then we have to allow him to guide us with his counsel. And as again, we'll see, that's not always easy. That's difficult. That's sometimes painful. That's sometimes very contrary to what we want. And yet we have to be willing to submit to it. I would suggest here that Jesus is teaching us in basically three parts. The asking, the seeking, and the knocking. So the first part is, is this asking. That we go to God. That we pray to God for help, for relief, for answers. And if we do that, it will be given to us. A promise from Jesus. A couple of examples of individuals in the Bible who prayed for things and God gave those things to him. We remember King Solomon and what he prayed for. He prayed and asked God for wisdom. Now remember, God was, was pleased with that, and he granted an answer to that prayer and blessed him with wisdom. Now, as we pointed out before, there's still free will choice. And unfortunately, Solomon did always use his wisdom in a wise way because he had free will choice to use that wisdom in whatever way he wanted. Another king, King Hezekiah, 
2 Kings 20. Of course, we studied this when we studied Isaiah. If you remember, he was told he was going to die. To get himself ready. His time was coming to an end. And he asked God that he would not die. He prayed to God. I believe the text says he turned to the wall and he prayed. And what did God do? He granted him an answer to that prayer and he granted him 15 more years of life. And we'll talk a little bit more about asking in our next point. Part two is this seeking, looking to the scriptures, reading, studying God's word. Seek and you will find. If we're not seeking, we'll of course never find. A couple of good examples of those who sought out God through prayer and fasting, um, Nehemiah and Esther. If you remember Nehemiah, he gets the message about uh, Jerusalem and the walls and they're, they're broken down and their enemies are upon them and he was distraught. And what did he do? He prayed and he fasted and he went to God for direction. He sought out God and God gave him those opportunities to go back and to help his people. Esther, of course, finds out the plan to destroy all the Jews. And, and again, she has a tough decision in front of her to approach the king, to risk her life. And not only does she turn to God in prayer and fasting, but she requests that of her friends, her family, her brethren. And they were all praying and fasting and seeking guidance and answers. And of course, Esther then carries out that decision and goes before the king. We remember the Bereans and what they were commended for, that they searched or examined the scriptures daily. So we need to be diligent about seeking God's word, his instruction. And for us today, that is how we are going to get those answers. It is in his word. We must know God's word to be able to get these answers that we are seeking. And part three is the, the part knocking. And I would suggest that, that this indicates a persistence uh, in order to be successful, that, that you know where the correct answers are. You believe in God. You believe that the Bible is His Word. You know where to obtain this information, and yet you may not get your answers right away. And, and so you have to be persistent. And you're knocking at that door. And you will continue to knock until it's opened. It reminded me of Luke 11.5 and the story of the persistent friend. In this account it says, Jesus says to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come in on a journey and I have nothing said before him. And he will answer within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though, he will not rise and give to him because he's a friend. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Do we ask and seek for just a day, maybe a couple days, maybe even a week, and that we don't get the answer, we don't find the answer, we have not changed anything, and we give up? Are we willing to go on in our prayer and our seeking and our 
fasting for day after day until we have the answer we need? I think about many who fasted for 40 days. We know Jesus fasted for 40 days as he entered into temptation, preparing himself for that. And I was reminded of Elijah, 1 Kings 19. We remember that he's fearful for his life and and he's ran off and he's praying to God that, that God would take his life, that there's nothing left. And then we know there's a couple examples there where he wakes up and from after praying and God has provided food and, and, and prayed, uh, fed him. And, and then he goes and travels more for 40 more days and he ends up in this cave. And again, he, he requests from, from God that it's, it's, it's over. My, in my life, I'm alone. There's nobody else. He felt so alone. And do you remember what God's answer was? You're not alone. There are 7,000 others that have not worshipped and bowed down to Baal. In dark times, we tend to think we're alone. We have no one to turn to. We have no one that has the answers we need. And sometimes we might even think, I'd rather just not be alive. We see many people in the Bible struggle with that. But there are answers. Our Creator and our Designer, God, always has the answers. And they're guarantees. Ask, and it will be given. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened. These are promises. I am a very big believer that if you want the outcome to change, then you have to put in the work. You have to self-examine. You have to change. Nothing changes if you don't change. Why would I say that? Not just because of my own personal opinions, but because God tells us that. And because I've seen it play out time and time again. If we are asking, we're praying. If we are seeking, studying God's word daily. If we are knocking, we are persistent about those things. We will get the outcome that we want. And maybe not in this life. Maybe it's not until the final outcome and that reward in heaven. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. This goes back to some of the original questions I asked. Do you believe Jesus? Do you trust his words? Do you have faith and believe in God? We have to have that. It's impossible to serve him and please him without those things. But look how it ends. And we must believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A person who is diligently seeking God and his words and the scripture is not a person who studies casually. Is not a person who prays casually. This is a person that bows their head in prayer several times in a day. This is a person that rarely neglects their Bible study and looking at God's Word. I think the Bible says a lot of things about hard work, and I know these two verses are are really more about a physical work, but there are a couple of my favorite verses. Colossians 3.23, Whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And that is in the context of, of how we serve our masters, how we physically work. 
But we never do it for them. We're doing everything we do for God. And we work hard because it's for God and because we want to receive this reward from Him. Proverbs 14.23 In all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. If we want outcomes to change in our life, we have to be willing to work at them. Put in the work and put in the effort so that we can change our response and our reaction. And then that will lead to a different outcome. Our second point is that God's always going to do His part. Allowing us to receive and to find and to to open those doors. God is a good Father, a great Father. When we do our job, He will provide what we need, what is good for us. But He wants us to ask. He wants us to be praying and asking and requesting and and being resilient. And, And maybe He's looking to see if we're willing to pray for 40 days. And if we're really, truly committed and seeking Him out, he's, he's wanting to see that. But how many times have you spoken to a, a Christian who's struggling and having all sorts of challenges in their, their life, and you'll ask them, are you praying? Are you studying God's Word? And so often they'll readily admit that those things aren't happening. Those things have to happen. And again, that doesn't mean the answers are going to come immediately. It doesn't mean things in your life are going to change immediately and everything will get better immediately. But that's the only way we can get to that better outcome. So if they're not doing their part, God certainly is not going to provide and do His part. Can it be hard to ask for things? I think if you think about this in even a worldly perspective... We have have challenges with this as people. Asking for help. Asking for answers. And why is that? Well, it could be a number of things. Maybe it's shame, embarrassment, guilt. Maybe we don't think we're worthy or we don't want to approach someone and, and show them we don't know or we can't do it on our own. Maybe it's even pride and arrogance thinking that I have all the answers and I don't need anybody and I don't need God and I'm self-sufficient and I'll figure it out on my own. And sometimes, of course, those people have to learn the hard way. But God, just like a good father, wants us to ask. He's telling us to ask Him, to seek His help. He wants to provide. He wants us to be humble in coming before Him and admitting that we can't do it on our own, that we need Him. James 1 and verse 5 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Again, a promise. But let him ask in faith, without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So again, we have to come to God in faith and trust. And we have to ask. And when we do that, we will be granted answers to our questions and our prayer request. So does this mean that we can ask for anything we want and we're guaranteed to get it? We can treat God like a magic genie and get three wishes and just uh, you know get a lot of fun rewards and, and prizes? No. We, we know what this is about. 
And if, if you don't, then we certainly would be willing to study with you more. But I think most of the people in this room know that this is about God's will. And remember, that was part of the Lord's Prayer, that God's will be done. And that's what we're praying about. And that's what our lives are about, fulfilling His will, being a worthy disciple of Christ. That is what this is about. However, I think that a lot of times we become, as Christians, very concerned about what we cannot pray for. And we start to say, well, I can't pray for that, I can't ask for that, and we'll have large lists of things that, well, I, I can never ask for that, and, and almost a, a sense of, if I were to ask for that, that would just be absolutely wrong and almost sinful to ask for that. And I just don't see that in the Bible. I think as a Christian matures, we start to understand what we should not be asking for. But I think a young Christian is going to pray and, and ask for anything. And I think about some of the prayers that we read and the, the questions that we see people ask of God. And it makes us even cringe a little bit like, oh, how could you pray that? How could you ask God of that? And yet they did. Because they're, they're human and they're emotional and they're weak. And what are they doing? They're seeking God. They're asking they don't know the answer. And so God is going to give them the answer. And if they ask for something they shouldn't ask, they'll still get the right answer. And they'll still get what is good. So I think instead of restricting ourselves as we often do, I say give everything to God. Pray about everything. Go to Him and, and, and open up your heart and your soul to Him. All your troubles, all your, your struggles, give them to God. Pray to Him consistently, persistently, and He will give you the appropriate answer. I think back to even King Hezekiah. Some could even question that. You know, was it selfish for him to ask not to die? I think any of us would have asked for that. But God granted it, and He gave him what he asked for. We have to be like a child. This context that Jesus uses is between a parent and a child. And I think how often Jesus uses children and tells us that we need to be like children. And that a child would ask anything of a parent and maybe be very persistent about it, constantly asking. And maybe ask for things that are not good for them. Or maybe ask with an attitude that is not good. And I think as a parent, that doesn't mean just because my child asks, I'm going to automatically give it to them. It's going to be a teaching moment. I'm going to talk to them about why they don't ask for those things or how they don't ask with that attitude. And maybe there's even discipline involved with that. But God certainly says no. We saw when Moses... Ask God to see his face, his glory. And God did not say yes to that. God did allow him to see his back in that context. You remember David asking to build a temple, a house for God. And God said, no, you are not going to do that. So I think we have plenty of examples where God says no as well. And in this context of a father and son, a father is going to say no. 
But the father still wants that son to ask. I mean, would you want a relationship with your child where they are scared to come to you? Where they are scared to ask you for help? No. We, we would encourage them, ask me anything. Ask whatever you want to ask. And we'll give the appropriate answers. The answer is, is correct. In this story, we have the son that asks for, for bread and a father's not going to give a stone. That wouldn't be a good response to that question. Or a fish and a serpent. And I think we can reverse those things too. What if the son wants to eat a rock for food? Or the son wants a serpent? A father would probably give an appropriate answer to those things as well. I believe that God, again, does the same for us. He's looking for an open heart. He's looking for our emotion, our desire to be right our desire to take everything to him, our desire to ask questions and to seek him out, and then he will certainly give us what we need. And what he gives us may not be what we want or what we expect. His answer may be no, and in fact, we might even lose something that we value or more troubles might come. Challenges might come our way and we might say, well, why is this happening? Well, maybe that's God's answer. Maybe his answer is, you need these trials. These trials are going to make you stronger. These trials are going to make you better. I think of Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. He says, Unless I should be exalted above measures by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. So Paul is seeking God. He is asking Him. He is pleading with Him. Please remove this thorn in the flesh. Remove this from my life. It troubled Him. It made it difficult for Him. And what does Paul say God's response was? And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, and persecution, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God may say no to us as well because he knows this is what we need. So who are we turning to? Who is the source? Are we persistent about it? Are we willingly accepting the answer? Our response to the events, the troubles that will come upon all of us has to be right. All those uncontrollable, unstoppable events that are coming, I have to be diligently seeking God through prayer and fasting and scripture. And if we do that, he promises to give us the answers that we need. And then our response will be right. And then the outcome will be right. And that is heaven. If you're here this morning and you haven't responded to the gospel message, 
That's certainly the first response that you need to consider. What is your response to God's Word, His instruction, that He is our Creator and Designer, that He sent His Son, Jesus, as we talked about this morning during the Lord's Supper, to die for our sins, to suffer, so that we could have salvation, a home in heaven. If you're here this morning, and we can assist you in any way, in your walk, to walk more worthy before God, we ask you to come forward now as we stand and sing.